The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This is Being Bumo, a podcast for the modern parent that wants to be the best version of themselves while being the best parents they can be for their kids. We'll be spotlighting parents and experts who are not only inspiring, but also willing to share with us how it really is. Because as we all know, parenting can be equally as rewarding as it is challenging. We're here to make your life easier, a little less stressful, and help you navigate through this complex thing called parenting. Welcome back, Bumos. Have you ever struggled getting your kids to eat their veggies, yet alone any food? Are you constantly counting the bites that they eat? Yep, I'm right there with you. And that is why I am so excited for our guest today. We have Amy Palajan, founder of Yummy Toddler Food and a mother of three kids. I've been following her on Instagram for a while now as she gives the most tangible and helpful tips when it comes to feeding your kids. She shares recipes and feeding advice for parents of little kids to help keep everyone sane and happy come mealtime, a struggle for most parents, if not all. Amy has an extensive background in media as she worked as a lifestyle director at Family Fun Magazine, food editor with Better Homes and Gardening, and the deputy editor of Ready Made. She took all of her knowledge in the publishing world and started Yummy toddler food. In this episode, we talk about what normal picky eating is and how parents should consider a successful meal without counting and obsessing over the number of bites that they have taken, and also trusting your kids to eat according to their hunger. With that said, here is our conversation. Hi, Amy. Welcome to Being Bumo. Hi, it's great to be here. Yes, I am such a big fan of your Instagram account. It's actually helped me quite a bit with my picky eaters. So I'm (laughs) super excited to dive into some very popular questions um, that we've actually been getting a lot from parents. But before we do so, can you introduce yourself and share with us how you started Yummy Toddler Food? Sure. Um, So my name is Amy. And so I run Yummy Toddler Food and I come from a background of working in magazines. So I was a magazine editor for over a decade. I worked in New York and then I worked in Des Moines for Meredith and I worked as a lifestyle editor. I did a lot of crafts and I um, did recipe development and recipe editing and also sort of product reviewing. So that was where my career came from. And then a lot of magazines had closed over the time that I was working in them. So I lost a lot of jobs and there sort of came a point when I realized that I wanted to be in, in control of my own destiny as mm. far as my career went. I was sort of tired of waiting for um, jobs to disappear. So I started the site as a hobby like many bloggers have done and I realized that there was really a hole in the kid food world. So when I started it, this was about seven or eight years ago. And, you know, Instagram wasn't around. There was no, there was no like little kid specific information. There was a lot of like quote unquote kid food, but it wasn't appropriate for one-year-olds or two-year-olds or kids learning to chew, Um, you know, kids who were not ready to be packing lunches for school. It was like this just, and I, so, and I had a toddler at the time and I was sending her to daycare and packing her lunch and facing the reality of her not wanting to eat what I was packing. She (laughs) wanted the food the other kids had. She had a lot of opinions about everything. And so it was like the, you know, the culmination of real life and sort of career. 
So kind of your own experience and pains as a mother, just sharing that and your findings on your blog, correct? Yeah. And then, you know, so I did it as a hobby for about five years and I didn't really know what I was doing, to be honest. I didn't know anything about being a, how to be a blogger. Uh, I didn't know how to use a camera properly. And so I spent a lot of time learning and I listened to every podcast I could on how to be a food blogger. I learned about SEO. I learned about the settings of my camera and I turned it into a business. So it's been my full-time job for two years now. Well, that's incredible and congratulations. And I have to say, you know, one of the reasons why I personally love following you and your your tips is that it's realistic. And I feel like a lot of the content out there right now um, that I'm seeing, it might be really beautiful and it might be very aesthetically pleasing. But then I'm like, one, I don't have time to make that. And two, my kid won't appreciate it. She just wants something that she likes and that she's going to eat. So I just feel like you really put things into perspective of being a realistic working mom and like what you actually have time for. So let's kind of dive into that. I know you talk a lot about what is normal when it comes to eating for kids? I think as parents, including myself, we expect a lot from our kids, right? We expect them to eat everything that we cook them and we get really mad if they don't, right? And that's something that I've kind of learned along the ways of managing my own expectations with my kids. One, they're incredibly picky, especially my my six-year-old. But what what do you have to say there when it comes to normalizing what is normal for kids? So there's a few competing things that can happen in this phase. So first is it is part of development for kids to become more separate from us, want to be their own people, want to push all the boundaries, see what kind of power they have. And that goes for every category. So like it's from like the socks (laughs) <laughs> like the shoes yeah, I were, went to that this morning. Yeah, yeah, I know. The shoes have been a thing this week in my house. <laughs> um, to what happens at the table. And so I think we need to keep in mind that it's not personal. It is not, it's not a judgment on your cooking. It's not because they don't want to show you affection. It's like they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Right. And it can be incredibly frustrating. So I think there's like that stage of development. And then there's this other part Um, That's called neophobia, which is a stage that is when kids are naturally more fearful of food. And it's typically between two and six. Um, Parents may start to see it in like a one and a half year old. And so it could be like, you haven't served brown rice in a month and you're, you put it on the table and your kids are like, no way. And it could just be that they have no memory of it. They have no idea what it's going to taste like. And it doesn't look right for some reason to them. And it's very hard to make a kid do something they don't want to do, whether it's eat something or go somewhere or read a book they don't want to. Right. So I think if you know that that's a normal part of this, you can be more empathetic and you can talk about what the food tastes like by comparing it to something that's more familiar. Um, Like if you serve fish and your child is used to chicken or like if you're, you know, like think about sort of categories of food. Like this is kiwi, it's green, it tastes sweet, but sometimes it's tart. Like let's see what it feels like on our tongue or is it cold, is it hot? Like sort of meet the kids where they are and 
you know, some kids, to be quite honest, are easier to feed than others. Yeah. You know, there's a personality aspect to this too, as like parents and on the kids. Mm-hmm. Some parents are very easygoing and it doesn't bother them when their child doesn't want to eat what they served, but it can go the other way too. So I think keep in mind that this is a normal phase of development and try to put yourself in your child's shoes. Like, So it's actually a phobia? It's called neophobia, you said? Uh huh. So there's like clinical neophobia, which is like a very serious condition, but the normal neophobia is just a phase that kids go through. And that is so interesting. I've yeah. never heard of that before. And it yeah. really helps kind of putting things into perspective. Like it's not me, it's not right. them. It's just kind of a phase that they're going through right now between right. two it's to like six. Kids right? like comfort. Like, you know, toddlers go through separation anxiety. They want their same things around them because it's familiar and their world is getting bigger. And so they cling to the things that make them feel safe. Yeah. I mean, my daughter, she is such a stickler, bisexual, of eating the same thing. I think she's eaten the same freaking sandwich for (laughs) the past two months. And I'm like, don't you want anything else for lunch? She's like, no. And finally, last week, she was like, I think I want something else. I'm like, oh, thank God. (laughs) I know. And it's kind of fun when they do surprise you like that because- like eventually they will probably surprise you. Like it might, it might take a while, but I also think about, you know, what I ate as a kid. I ate the same turkey sandwich for like my entire elementary school life. Yeah. And I eat a whole range of things now. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So I guess you, what we call picky eating, is there something that's as you mentioned, it could be a personality thing, right? Like for instance, my two-year-old, I could put anything in her mouth and she'll eat it, right? Even whether she likes it or not, she'll eat it, right? (laughs) But my six-year-old, like if if it's a slightly different color and it's like the food that she's normally going to eat usually, but it's like, if it's slightly just different in color, she won't Mm -hmm. eat it. I mean, that's to the extreme of how picky she is. But is there something where you can call quote, like normal picky eating versus like something that's not normal, where it's like extremely picky eating. Is there a fine boundary between normal picky eating versus really, really extravagant picky eaters? Yeah. I mean, if you, well, like one, if it's getting in the way of you being able to come up with what to offer your child and it's like seriously stressing you out, I would strongly suggest finding a feeding therapist to work with on an individual basis because the internet is great, but it's very general. And it is like, it could be missing a whole range of issues that are actually contributing to it. But if you like wrote down everything that your child ate over the course of a month and you get to like 15 to 20 foods total, like all variations, all types, and you're at like 15 to 20, that's probably where you need some help. You know, it's gotta be like a little bit of a gut thing. Like if Mm. if it's impacting your ability to enjoy your food, if it's disrupting family mealtimes, if it's leading to behavior problems where like all of your interactions with your child are strange because there's this like huge part of your life that's not working, I would consider that as time to get some help. I see. Got it. And what has helped for me, um, because I feel like last year we went through the really challenging times of like, I couldn't even 
get her to try anything new. Mm-hmm. But I think she's slowly coming around to maybe slightly being open. So my and so if there's any parents that are listening to this, not that I'm an expert, but what I've done is I always say, look, just try it out. If you don't like it, you do not need to eat it, right? I'm not going to mm-hmm. force you to eat it, but you do need to try it out. And so she's at a point where she will try things out. She will spit out probably 80% of things that I give her because she doesn't like it. But Mm -hmm. I applaud her for at least trying it. And that Mm -hmm. has kind of helped at least for myself. And there Mm -hmm. are times where she was like, oh, I actually like it. And she would surprise herself. And so we kind of play like this game of like, oh, let's do a taste test. Cause people like kids right. for some reason love taste tests. I think it's like this whole YouTube <laughs> phenomenon where like kids try out different things. So we kind yeah. of like reenact that. So that's yeah. what we do at home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some kids can have like a visceral reaction to putting something in their mouth that they don't want to. And so if you're seeing like, if it's increasing the anxiety, then I would say like pull back and try something like let the kids serve themselves, let them choose more components of a meal or let them like be involved with food away from the table. Like my eight-year-old loves cooking. She like, she'll cook whatever. And she doesn't necessarily always want to eat the thing, but we, we did a cooking class together the other night and like the sauce, it was, it was like a shrimp and noodles dish and the sauce had green onions and fresh garlic and all this stuff Like she does not eat all mixed together. And I was like, is she really going to eat this? She So she like ate the whole thing. And I was like, that's really, I'm really proud of you for trying something that you've never had before. And she was like, well, it is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> it's so almost it's, like you need to have them discovered on their own, right? Yeah. It has to be on their, the more you can let it be on their own terms, I think the more they feel in control of the experience and sort of the less frightening it is. Yeah. Because there are times where even you know if they're going to like it. Like, you know your kids so well and you know like their taste buds and you're like, just try it. Like, I know you're going to like it. But just the fact that it was coming from you forcing them versus them making that decision, they'll be like, I don't like it, even if they tried it, right? Yeah, and and even something as small as like letting them choose whether they want a plate or a bowl or the type of silverware or like whether they want their sandwich cut like this way or this way. Like, it's you don't have to let them cook everything like that. It's not going to be a realistic thing, but like small ways to give them power, I think can go a long way. Hey girl, hey, welcome to Taste of Taylor, my weekly podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Strecker. You might know me from Sirius XM Radio. I mean, I was there for like 12 years after all, but then Howard Stern allegedly got jealous of me, so I had to leave. I was actually able to pull myself up by the bootstraps and start my own podcast, Taste of Taylor, which is now officially with Dear Media. I'm so excited to say that. Ha! So I promise you in this podcast, you're going to either learn about something, you're going to be inspired by someone that's like always coming from a perspective of like humor, then this is the place for you. I hope you enjoy this little snack. So how should parents consider a successful meal without obsessing over how many bites they've taken? I think we want to look at it like more holistically. So did you enjoy your time with your family? Did you laugh? Did you hear about anyone's day? Like, did you enjoy your food? Because it's not just about what the kids are eating. It's, you know, when it's a family meal, it's about everybody in the family. And so like, were you able to stay in your seat without getting up 17 times? (laughs) 
did you make it through without anyone crying? Like, like my bar is really low, but I find that the less you focus on like the bite by bite, the more you can actually enjoy your kids. And we tell a lot of jokes at the table and, you know, it's to the point where I have a two-year-old and like, he obviously doesn't know how to tell a joke, but he tries, like he Mm -hmm. understands like the concept of someone saying something and then other people laugh. And so it's sort of a fun way to just have time to connect. And I also have found that, you know, the less you're sort of pushing kids to do certain things with the food, the more willingness there may be for them to get to it on their own. Mm, Yeah, that makes sense. So looking at mealtime as beyond just the food and maybe Mm -hmm. if they have a positive experience with it, the more likely they'll be open to trying things out. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you sit down to the table and the immediate reaction is like, I don't want that. That looks yucky. I'm like, seriously, ask them a question about something that they love. Just, I mean, what color was the unicorn book that you, or like what color was unicorn you colored earlier or what show did you watch earlier? Or just like get them talking about something that they love and it will like bring the anxiety down. Uh, I see. Yeah. I'm Which is ask that. counterintuitive to the way that we tend to approach meals. Yeah, absolutely. So let's say I, I'm going to give you a scenario and I, I would love to hear kind of how you would actually react to this. So let's say that okay. your kid is at the dinner table and he is just not hungry he's just not eating. Uh, maybe he is hungry. I don't know. But he or she is not eating their dinner at all. But you know that you need to feed your kid. What do you do at this point? Do you tell them it's fine? Like just starve? Or <laughs> or do you cook something else up for them and know that they're getting that nutrition in? Because I, I know parents that do one or the other. And I don't know personally what is the better way to go about it. Right. Right. So I don't get up and cook something else because if I do that, that's going to be the expectation for all times. And I don't want that to be my life. So instead of doing that, when I'm putting food on the table, I try to make sure that there's one to two foods that the kids usually like. I do my best. I'm not a mind reader. Sometimes they change their minds, but so like we almost always have fruit on the table. Or um, if I'm serving something that I'm sort of like, I don't know if they're going to like it. I make sure that there's like crackers or cheese or like some, or plain yogurt or applesauce or like some other simple thing that they can eat if they don't want the main dish. This happens like kind of regularly with my little one because he doesn't love all of the foods that the rest of us like yet. Mm. And so I let him like give him small servings because he can't really do, like he can't really serve himself yet because he just turned two. So I gave him small servings. If he decides not to eat his food, I trust that he's not hungry. And then sometimes if he asks for it, or if I feel like he really hasn't eaten anything, I offer a very boring bedtime snack that is separate from dinner so that it's not an incentive to skip dinner. So that I am reassured that he can go to sleep and he's not going to wake up hungry. I know that he has something in his belly, but it didn't disrupt the whole routine of our night. And so bedtime snacks in our house are like 99% of the time a banana mm. because we almost always have them. They're not like super exciting, but my kids I love like, how you called it a boring bedtime snack. 
Yeah, you don't want it to be like their favorite snack because then they're going to be like, oh, I'm just going to wait and have that. Exactly. Uh, so it's something that like they will eat if they're hungry, but they're not going to be like, yes. <laughs> um, or maybe they would be if they liked a banana that much. But um, we found that like banana is a pretty good option yeah, for us. Yeah, it's pretty so, neutral. Yeah. And so it, it's, you know, this is like, winds up probably being like 45 minutes to an hour after dinner. And so he'll eat a banana during our bedtime routine and like, that's the end of it. And so it doesn't become a situation where every night at dinner, they're then expecting me to get up and make the mac and cheese. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's something that I've been kind of doing as well, because, you know, we have two girls that both like very different things, which is frustrating in itself because sometimes... Mm -hmm we're forced to make like two different breakfasts, two different dinners. So we stopped doing that and we kind of had to put our foot down because we used to make up a whole nother meal for them if they didn't eat. But we put our foot down and we said, okay, if you're not going to eat, that's fine. We're not going to force you guys, but you guys don't get any snacks, nothing like after, you know, because usually they'll get some sort of treat after dinner and they look Mm -hmm. forward to it. But then we we skip that part. But then that's a good idea of offering them something like a banana before they go to bed. Because I have had them wake up in the middle of the night being like, I'm hungry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you don't really want that to happen. <laughs> yeah. And you talk slightly about trusting your own kid to eat according to their own hunger, which I find interesting because you don't hear that quite often with parents where you're just like, I trust you that you told me that you're full. So I trust you that you're full. So what do you mean by trusting them? Is it simple as just if they see that they're hung, they're full, just knowing that they're full and just kind of letting them be? Yeah, I think it's so, you know, when you're feeding a baby and you can pretty much tell when they're done, they turn their head, they close their mouth, they push the food away. And for the most part, we trust that. Like sometimes parents will try to get an extra bite in or like, clean up the spoon or whatever, but like we believe them. Or if you're giving a baby a bottle and they start pushing it away or you're breastfeeding them and they like are done, like we trust that they're done. And so kids are born with the ability to feel their hunger and feel when they're full, barring any medical issues. And we sort of stop respecting that because we feel like they need to eat certain amounts of certain foods. And the more we can let them show us how hungry they are, the more we're setting them up for success when they're older kids and they're out in the world without us, when they're young adults and they're in the college or they're cooking on their own for the first time. Like it's very hard to sort of go backwards and figure out how to trust your hunger and fullness as an adult. So my perspective and a lot of feeding experts also just know that the more you can sort of let the kids keep those skills, the better equipped they'll be as they grow older. I mean, we only have so much control over what our kids are eating because pretty soon they go to school right. and, um, and we want them to be confident and cap- capable when they're being fed by other people. And so it's very important to me to respect my kids when they say that they're full or that they're hungry because if I'm putting myself in their situation and I consider what it feels like to have someone tell me, no, you need to eat more. No, you you can't have that right now. You sure certainly aren't hungry. Like that's 
not a great feeling. I don't want that to be the dynamic. Like I want to provide the structure around like when we eat and what's being offered. And then I want them to be in charge of what actually goes into their body because they have to do that as they get older. Mm, That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's It's, hard. Yeah, it's hard, especially because there's so much marketing on like the right amount of food or smart snacks or, um, you know, there's like even nutrition labels with portion sizes. Like it's very confusing over what's the right amount. And I think the more you can trust that if you give your kids a small amount to start so that you're not setting them up to like waste a bunch of food and you let them have more as long as everyone's sharing. Like if you look at their intake over a week or over like a whole day, it usually balances out. Like they might eat like a pint of blueberries one day, but they probably won't want that like seven days in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. And let's face it. I mean, parents, including myself, we sometimes use the little bribery (laughs) tactic, right? Not the best way and not very proud of admitting to that, but it's something that we do in desperate measures. And sometimes we do it with things such as candy. (laughs) You know, if you eat this healthy thing, then you can get candy afterwards. Or if you do... I don't know, your chores, then you could do, you could pick something from the pantry. Definitely guilty of that myself. Are there other ways we can reward them instead of, you know, candy or these sweet things that are satisfying just for a few minutes and they go hungry again? Is there other ways to get them excited about things? I think remember what little kids want is like your time and your attention. And That can be hard because I know that those are things we don't always have like a surplus amount of, but even taking like, say your child like puts their clothes away, like you get like a dance party with mom in the kitchen for 10 minutes, or we put on special clothes and like have a dress up dinner party, or like there are all sorts of like small, short activities that you can do that give your kid that feel like feeling of you really are proud of them and you want to be with them. Yeah. I do this. I mean, my four-year-old has a very strong personality. Well, most of my, my kids all do, but <laughs> she responds so well to very short bursts of focused attention. So we could like do a kitchen activity where she helps me like wash the vegetables for dinner. I mean, like six minutes, she's like in it. And then she's done, but she feels like she got something from me Mm. and it's meaningful to her. And so that's the way that I prefer to go. Or we do like activities together. Like if we do, you know, whatever the thing is, then we're all going to go to the playground together or we're going to go ice skating or like have them be experiences versus using candy as like a transactional situation. And let's say that you do want to give your kids, maybe not for bribery's sake, but just like something sweet or something like like a dessert after dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, is there something that you usually go to that feels a bit healthier and that is your go-to sweet snack? I would love to personally know that because my, my kids um, love the most unhealthy sweets out there. <laughs> I mean, I think it's okay to have a mix of foods. Like it's human nature to want to have like a real deal cookie. Like, I don't think there's there's anything wrong with that. 
during the week. So on the weekend, we tend to have ice cream. I don't buy enough ice cream to have it every day. And so that's just not an option, but we like often have chocolate chips. Like that's a simple thing that they're almost always excited about and we always have them. So love that. Yeah. We do movie nights on Saturdays. And so that's when they get a lot of the treats that they usually don't get on the weekdays and they get really excited about that. Yeah. Okay. So I would personally love to know what are your, some, some of your go-to meals as a busy mom? I mean, you, you said that you have three kids, right? Mm-hmm. So three kids, you know, you're a busy working mom. Um, what are your go-to meals when you just don't have enough time? So we eat a lot of pasta. Uh, cause all <laughs> the kids like pasta. So we do a lot of pesto. We have a garden in the summer. And so I'm, we make like a ton of kale and spinach pesto and put it in the freezer. And so that's like not, I don't have to do anything besides cook the pasta. So that's one, um, we have quesadillas almost every week. My girls love beans, like in a sort of a strange way, <laughs> they really like beans. And so mm-hmm. We do a lot of quesadillas. Sometimes we mix it up and put like different fillings in them, but like 90% of the time it's like black beans and cheese. Mm. We have stir fry a lot. We have noodles a lot. And then, you know, we do like, we will like fairly often have like pancakes for dinner or. Pancakes um, for make, dinner. That's, yeah, that's a, like little a Friday night thing. I love like, that. Yeah. Like pancakes and bacon is a really fun Friday night dinner. I could do that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So I'm going to have to try that with my kids on a Friday night. That sounds like a treat. Yeah. We also make a lot of homemade pizza. Ah, awesome. I do use my instant. I don't cook that much, but when I do cook, it's usually with my instant pot. And Uh usually I could just throw anything in there and like pasta. I think we're doing pasta tonight and it's like the easiest thing ever as a busy mom. So yeah. I know yeah. I'm missing, I somehow like lost a part of my Instant Pot. And so the last time I used it, it like sprayed like bean juice all over oh the wall. Oh my goodness. So I was like, can't use it. I have to figure out what's something. Yeah. Is. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I just yeah. thought you got to watch out for that spray. That's I don't the only know. thing. It's like, there's like freshly painted walls. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't cook if it doesn't involve an Instant Pot. That's actually <laughs> how I learned to cook is buying an Instant Pot. So That's awesome. Yeah. So I, if there's any moms out there or dads even that are listening to this, there is hope to serve your kids really <laughs> yummy food. If you don't know how to cook, just get an instant yep. pot. <laughs> Throw it in and seal it. Um, how about some of your go-to snacks? Do you have any snacks that you absolutely love to just give the kids? So we make a lot of muffins and I make, uh, so I have a banana bre- bread recipe that I love personally. <laughs> So I make it for myself and then I share it with the kids. You're going to have to give me that recipe because yeah, I'm looking it's for really a good easy. banana. Oh, okay. Yeah. Even better. It's very easy. And then um, we do smoothies quite a bit for snacks. So I will like make a smoothie in the morning and then divide it up. And so my, we have a babysitter in the morning, so I'll leave it. I have these reusable pouches for the kids. And so I'll leave theirs in there and then I put mine in a jar. And so then we all have like, smoothie snack. Um, that's fairly, fairly regular. And then we have like a, you know, an assortment of like snack bars that are sort of regularly in the mix. Mm, Awesome. Do you have any products that you just like cannot live without? As I mentioned, mine is the instant pot. Um, (laughs) but as a busy working parent, it doesn't have to be food related, but if there's like 
like a product that you're always constantly using? I mean, the first thing that I thought of was my freezer, which is like not. I mean, not that is like, a product, your fridge. Yeah. Um, okay. So do you know the company Tubby Todd? Yeah. They make, yeah. So they make an all over ointment that is like my hand saver in the winter. And it's just with washing hands all the time. It is like the best hand cream. So for yourself or for the kids? For myself. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I yeah, love Tubby Todd. Like, I'm going to have to try it out. Yeah. Technically, you know, the, well, they do stuff for moms too, but I buy it for myself in like the biggest container possible. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah. I know with all the hand washing and all the sanitizing, yeah. I feel like my, I don't even have dry skin. I feel like my hands are so dry all the time now. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, Okay, so we're wrapping up here, but if there's one advice that you can give to parents, whether it's advice that you've received before or something that you just learned along the way, um, what is that? I think it would be to remember that whatever hard phase you're in, it's temporary. Like it will, (laughs) soon enough, it will, your kids will be on to the next thing. And I think it can be Like I know personally, it can be very hard to be in it, but I think if we can remember to take a breath and try to remember like the bigger picture, it can sort of help us through those hard moments when it seems like nothing is working. Yeah. I totally believe in that too. I always say this too, shall pass um, in whether it's good moments, bad moments, you know, it it will all pass. So Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This was just incredible hearing from you and your advice. Um, If people want to learn more about you and find you, where can they find you? You can find me at yummytoddlerfood.com or at yummytoddlerfood on Instagram. And then I have a, a cookbook for little kids that's called Busy Little Hands Food Play. And it is for like kids to gain confidence in the kitchen with like no cook assembly only recipes. Oh, incredible. I'm going to have to get my hands on that one. That sounds really amazing. Yeah, it's really fun. And the the pages are super durable and it's um, fun to use. So Amazing. Well, thank you so much. This was great. And I will talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay, bye. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you liked it, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It really is the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more of us, head over to our Instagram and follow us there at Bumo Parent. And to learn more about Bumo Brain Virtual School, follow us at Bumo Brain or head over to BumoBrain.com. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you guys next week.